welcome to the Control the Room podcast, a series devoted to the exploration of meeting culture and uncovering cures for the common meeting. Some meetings have tight control and others are loose. To control the room means achieving outcomes while striking a balance between imposing and removing structure, asserting and distributing power, leaning in and leaning out, all in the service of having a truly magical meeting. This episode is brought to you by Mural a digital workspace for visual collaboration. At Voltage Control, we use Mural to facilitate engaging and productive meetings and workshops from anywhere. Mural gives teams the means, methods, and freedom to collaborate visually. Use their suite of facilitation superpowers to control the virtual room and solve tough problems as a team with their pre-built templates and guided methods. To see for yourself why companies like IBM, Atlassian, and E-Trade rely on Mural Start your 30-day trial at Mural.co. That's M-U-R-A-L dot C-O. Today, I'm with Mariano Batam. Mariano is the co-founder and CEO of Mural. He is on a mission to inspire, enhance, and connect imagination workers so that they can collaborate and problem-solve wherever they may be. Welcome to the show, Mariano. Hello, Doug. And glad to be here. I'm really curious, Mariano, how did you get your start working in this field of bringing remote workers together to collaborate and do this Imagine work and found a company to do that? It's amazing. It is. And I was fortunate to be a mobile or remote worker 10 years ago. I had a video games company and that company ultimately got acquired by Disney. So I was working for Disney. I'm from Argentina originally, but I was in the Mountain View office quite often. So I was quote unquote remote because it was not really remote. I was just like distributed, right? So my product development team was in Argentina. I was mostly in the U.S., I was designing a new game about emotions. I was using Keynote to collect inspiration and we can go further into the problem, but that sparked the idea of having an online space that felt more like a whiteboard, felt more like a project room. And that's how we started 10 years ago already. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, I watched your presentation from Mural Imagine recently and you're sharing how you got your start using PowerPoint and or just reflecting on your, how you use it and how that helped you collect your thoughts. And it really, the light bulb went off for me. It's like, because we always talk about prototypes can be anything that we bring together to help visualize our ideas. And so we often talk about how PowerPoint can be a prototype. And so Mural, in a way, is a tool to help build prototyper ideas and present them. Definitely a tool and a space to make space, as we call for imagination, right? The reality is that words are great and humans, we, we rely on them to communicate. Uh, but yeah, a picture, multiple pictures, a diagram, definitely much more powerful than a description, especially an oral description, right? There's a lot been written on, yeah, the infamous Amazon six-pager, so you can do write-ups. I think there's room for everything, right? There's definitely room for the write-up once the thought 
or the idea or the information is already cooked. But in that working progress, I think there's there's more space for for more flexible space to gather your thoughts, get reactions from others, and build together that idea. And then, yes, put it in a more linear uh, way to to share out. Yeah, it reminds me one of my favorite facilitation techniques is just to listen and capture what's the words that are flying by. You were like, words are great, but, and that's the problem. And when words are, it's just word soup and they're all flying by and they just evaporate. And it almost reminds me of one of those little videos or animations where like the, the, the thought bubbles are coming up and then just disappearing. And it's important that we capture all those things because if we step back and look at it, we can find and visualize where our discrepancies are. If someone says this thing needs to be magical and someone else says it doesn't need, it should not be magical. We need to understand because they probably aren't completely disagreeing, but on the surface it appears so. But if we don't capture those things and visualize them, there's no way for us to dive in and, and understand that. You know, it's, it's funny that teams that capture, right? And, and the idea is that it not, shouldn't be one person doing the scribe role, right? It's all of the people involved in a meeting or a workshop should be participants and active participants. And one of the important things to do there is not only sharing, but also active listening and active listening and hopefully also documenting because it's amazing to see once people start documenting and, pe- and other folks that are listening into a presenter or something, it's funny to see how they add new ways of seeing whatever comment or thought, right? The, it's, it's amazing to see the GIFs or, or sketches or icons start complementing that core phrase that was said by someone. Yeah, it's like, you know, we talk about one of the tenets of facilitation being yes and. And essentially what you're describing is the whole team is yes anding silently and visually based on what's being said. And so one little thought nugget that someone vocalizes can be transformed almost like in parallel. Talk about distributed working, right? We're, we're all in parallel contributing to the same thing in a way that, uh, that you just couldn't do. If it was synchronous, you know, it would take us much longer. Yes, and I always wonder, like in, in the old way, when we were in person and I mean, one person was talking in a group of 10 or something, of course, a lot of people were thinking about things. And, and as I said, like when, I, when I observed the good practitioners of this type of work, they were holding their own post-it pad and adding their own things. But sometimes the asynchronicity there failed to, to, to leave the trace, right? They, they would forget about it or what I was thinking there. When I'm seeing workshops happening in the digital realm right now in, on Mural, I'm seeing that there's a lot of like a multi-threaded thinking going on, which I don't really know yet if it's good or bad, but it's, it is something. It is true because people were thinking anyway or reacting anyway to someone presenting. Now this, this thing allows them to, to document that reaction to the, the presentations more, more fluidly. And I would love to make this a, a video cast next time so that we can show some of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really fascinating because, uh, I've seen that phenomenon as well, and it's not just limited to presentations. I've seen that it organically evolve, like even through a debrief or a fishbowl conversation where you've got some folks talking and then others are documenting and reacting to the talking. So they're contributing to the, the, uh, what's being, um, uh, captured. And it's not just, um, it's not just through one lens, right? If I'm a facilitator, 
I'm trying to capture as much as I can, but there, I definitely know there are moments where, man, I, there, there was something he said right before that. I totally forgot it. And, you know, so part of it's just kind of keeping up with everything, but also there's how we interpret it, how we just subtly yes and it. It's really pretty incredible. So there's a negative side to all of this awesome stuff that's happening. And, and I'm sure you're no stranger to this, having a tool, a software product that is essential to remote work and remote work just becoming you know, the only way that we can work during the pandemic, you are just slammed with lots of new signups. And, and I'm sure that's just increased the number of meetings and the amount of coordination and things that needs to get done. And Zoom fatigue is a serious thing. And how do we, as meeting attendees, meeting facilitators, how do we address these concerns around remote facilitation? So there's a lot uh, in that question. So I'll start with the fatigue part. <laughs> As you can listen to my voice, yeah, I need a rest, right? <laughs> I'm doing speech therapy sessions and also learning how to speak. It seems like I've been yelling at, at the screen, right? I, I, I don't know how to speak and I'm, I'm doing, I'm learning and relearning to how to do that. So there's a lot of things around meetings, right? There's the being present and all the hours spent working and sitting down or standing up. There's the input method of audio for my voice that's not working. And yes, all of this gets accelerated with the fact that in our case in particular, a lot of the world relies on us, right? For a particular type of remote work. Mural is not needed for all types of remote work. Probably Zoom is much more ubiquitous and present, right? And and they get the the praise and the blame on something like Zoom fatigue, where again, they are a, a medium and a tool and how people are using them is go both good and bad and will will have their, its implications. But yes, we're fortunate to to be able to support a lot of folks that are interested in bringing imagination to their work, how we call it, right? So those important moments around planning, around strategizing, around defining the future, but also using visual methods in design and in agile to help us reflect, to help us celebrate and do certain things that uh, are little abstract parts of work where it's super important, especially to align teams that are now all over the world. So, so yes, Doug, it's, it's a, a responsibility because it's not just about letting people work, but also helping them improve how they work. It's not possible to run a eight hour workshop online or three day, eight hour workshop online. And people are starting to quickly learn that, unlearn that and learn the new way. So we've been doing a lot of work, not only making sure that the systems are stable, scaling, trustworthy, but also bringing in features and know-how for the end users who are super under a lot of pressure and nervous because they're learning ways of working and ways of working remote. So... 
it's tiring and rewarding. <laughs> I would like to take a just a moment to talk about that. You know, I've definitely experienced just exhaustion from having to, you know, pivot my company and make sure that uh, that things are are pointed in the right direction and all that. And actually started having massive headaches. It turned out it was a lot from eye strain. So I had to adjust my monitors, get new glasses with blue blockers and progressive lenses and getting old Mariano. Um, but uh, so I'm curious if you have any tips, any advice for folks that are, how can we step away from the stuff or how can we um, adjust our imagination work and how we use the tools to make it less stressful or, or whatnot? Sure. There's definitely like a, um design of the day and the week component to the question and then in particular going into the actual work and things that i've been doing to design the week is be explicit about designing the week and the day and then things happen and, and we change it but at least spending the time to to say okay what do we like to accomplish this week and what i like to accomplish for myself for my family and for the business too so in the last few weeks, I didn't respect it much, but in the beginning of the pandemic, in the first couple of months, very much, which is two hours per day blocked for kids and coughing, I mean, in the middle of the day so that we can also do exercising with kids. So it's like a two birds with a stone and everybody is happy about that. And of course, um, time to reflect and time to plan baked in in the beginning and the end of the week. So... I want to dig into this like exercise with the kids. So tell me what, tell me how that works. Well, it's hard to be a teacher, right? I mean, especially if you're all day and being a quote unquote teacher inside your company. So with kids, your level of energy is low. So I found the, the best play sessions with them are also in a way facilitated. I've been doing sessions where I don't know, we, we design a, a project or we design a bike route. And, and those are the ones that are more rewarding, where there's like a little bit of planning time, a little bit of execution time, and then reflection time. Uh, or I bought a set of cones, for example, and we put it in the, in the, in the street entrance and, and design, I don't know, paths for, for exercises. So we run here, we walk there, run sideways here maybe with a ball um, because if not, it's, it's very loose play. It's really hard to deal with, especially as an adult, you don't have the power, infinite power of imagination that the kids do have. So yeah, a little scripted has been helping me. And of course it's hard to persevere, but I, I come back every week and at least once in that week, I go back to some sort of scripted method. And actually been thinking about how to take that to, to work, right? Because in the old way, maybe like last year, for example, we, we were able to bring the whole company to Argentina for a week and we had a lot of time to just hang out. But really, I, I always thought about the hanging out part of work as a, a something that also put, get, got me a little nervous because I thought we could be using it for a better work. I mean, in a way, as a fan of sports, right? I like that sports have like a beginning, a middle of an end. They have rules. Uh, and then you can do some improvisation in the middle, but you know what the purpose of the get together is? When it comes to 
work water cool time i never found that super interesting so yeah trying to guide just play time and not not scripted time but using scripted and play guided script to to help us bring in the creative juices level the playing field for introverts and extroverts to be able to participate and and try to persevere in doing that over and over so that we can get better at it because it's not easy to to connect with people through a screen yeah it's, it reminds me of this bbc report that i read that said most pointless meetings are actually a form of therapy and the thing that became really clear to me was well if that's the case we should be intentional about it rather than just letting it organically happen because people need it. Let's like program it in and make sure we have really good therapy <laughs> and we really check in. And, you know, I think that's a reason why a lot of people design in icebreakers. It's unfortunate the way a lot of it develops though, because when it's not really intentional and not tied to the purpose, there's a real missed opportunity because we can do something that's gracious and, and uh, purposeful and um, it can it can take us a bit further, but I, you know you're absolutely right that we have to have time for the team. Yeah, making time for for no goals, but structured play is is interesting. Yeah, I want to come back to the uh, the ninja course that you you built out in your your driveway. Did you guys use Mural to plan it before you went out to uh, to put it together? No, dude, it's too much in front of Mural. <laughs> no doubt. That's like time to get away, right? I've always respected Mural for your efforts um, to support facilitators. It's very clear that as a design and product consideration when you're thinking about your roadmap and building in features to support what we do as facilitators. And so I'd just like to hear a little bit about your philosophy around why that's important and where you see it could go. Not, not, not so much in the sense of like, what's next on the roadmap, but like from a philosophical standpoint, like where could it, where could that take us? Sure. So you mentioned mission early on around imagination workers and powering them up globally. Right. So when I talk about why we do what we do, in general, I start with imagination and making room for imagination at work, make space for imagination at work. Um, but imagination at work is not easy, right? It's, it's, for some of us, for certain cases, it, it may come naturally. But there's a lot of blank canvas paralysis. So that's why we also believe, and we, we learned this early on in our journey, that the guided methods that people like you uh, Douglas in like consultants and folks that are thinking of how to make this type of work happen have put together alignment diagrams and methods were key to bring these teams together and ultimately help them with the job of yeah, creative problem solving, creative problem solving. So that's one part, right? Like we don't support all types of work in mural Mural is not needed for everything, but when there's something big to go through with a, again, workshop type mindset, you should probably rely on Mural for that. And you should rely on Mural whenever, wherever you might be, right? I mean, 
the idea that we go to innovation centers to innovate was always interesting to me because shouldn't we be innovating in small and big scale all the time, right? So that's the obvious thing around uh, remote work that we support. But then the fourth bucket pillar or vector, whatever you want to call it, that we care about is facilitation, right? As, and as you mentioned that we have a team focused on that, we have content based on that, because you observe that the best run meetings, there's a professional facilitator or someone takes the role or many of them take the role of a facility, well, facilitation, right? Like doing facilitation. So we believe it's a core competency for now and the future uh, because of the need for more multidisciplinary teams. And yes, and doing this in person is hard. Doing this remotely is virtually impossible. So that's why we try to do a lot of community, a lot of content sharing, and a lot of little features in the product that we believe could be great for folks like you to be able to, to guide, to ask questions, to bring a little bit of fun and play into these meetings and ultimately make your participants achieve the end goal of the meeting. Yeah, it also it just dawned on me that good agenda design can also really improve this sense of Zoom fatigue and meeting fatigue. Because if we're just going back-to-back meetings and, and there's not a good sense of closure, there's no good arc. I mean, imagine if you went to the movies and you watched a movie, and every movie just ended right at the climax. <laughs> and then you were right in the next movie. And it's just like action just thrown at you the entire time. There's no on-ramp. Um, it'd be like having to jump off your, your, you know, you're flying to Cincinnati, and you have to jump off and just parachute down to get out <laughs> off the plane. I'm watching the timer right now on the podcast software, and I'm realizing at minute 22, 23 now. Um, and yeah, being aware of, of time, of first starting the meeting also with the purpose, right? Why are we meeting? What's the end goal of this meeting? Um, try to have an agenda, but also acknowledge that maybe there's some flexibility that you can bake in into that agenda. And if you're not um, be able to close the meeting, probably do two things. One is if you're consistently not closing in time, probably there's like a meeting design there. You might need more meeting time or more workshop time in the future to, to make sure that you get to closing. Or the nice thing about this remote situation that we're all in is that you can also call it a pause, right? And, and open up the next day or the next week. Uh, people are starting to realize that they can unbundle workshops and unbundle meetings and not squeeze out everything from that workshop the, that first day. So there's a little bit of, of flexibility and malleability that we're able to do to have here in the work that we have right now where we're all peers in that we're all checking in digitally to the space. Yeah, I love that concept of unbundling and, and how we can kind of split workshops apart and I'm going to switch gears here a little bit and talk about something that I heard from 
one of your mural employees, Haley Temple. I was sharing a loom over. There was something neat that I'd found about how I was using mural and, and I was trying to explain it to her and I thought <laughs> it'd be so much easier just to record a quick loom so she can see what I'm talking about. And then she's like, Oh, I love loom. Mariano always records really great looms for the, for the team to get us motivated. And I thought to myself, that's really, that's incredible. You know, such a great use of a tool for distributed team to get them excited and motivated. So would just love to hear some inspiration you might be able to offer other leaders. Like what should they be thinking about? Why do you use these tools to send videos out to the team? Why is that important? And how can we, you know, motivate our distributed teams? Sure. So, yeah, Loom is a recording video, screen recording video. There's another one called Vidyard that's more customer-facing. And there's probably a few others. Um, so we went through a very tough time, right, in the last six months now maybe four, depending on the, top of, on the part of the world, we're hitting a global pandemic, right? It's not a, we decided to work from home and we're walking around and in, in being free of working in, on the beach or whatever. People are locked down in their houses in Argentina, where a lot of our guys are, for 120 days now or so. So it's super, super tough to all of them. So acknowledging that and acknowledging in a way that it's, Again, as uh, human as possible is important. And I'm putting that on video and on video that I generally complement with a mural, with some visuals to explain. That uh, has been a, a good practice and something that people appreciate. And it doesn't take me much time and people can watch it in whichever time they want. And yeah, I'm getting positive reactions because I, appreciate their work, acknowledge that it's it's not easy, uh, share some thoughts, ideas, and plans. And another thing that we do also, and we did, and I was super happy how it all went out, is that we, we, we made space for celebration also, right? When we wrapped up a very challenging, positively challenging quarter in June, in November, we we coordinated to make sure that we sent boxes to everybody in the company with little mimosa kit and little pub party pops and content and swag from the company to each of them in, in their homes. And I made time to celebrate and, and I came back to the message that I was repeating over and over and over with new people coming in. It's necessary in those Loom videos. And I repeated that message again on the all hands where we celebrated um, acknowledging that again, we had accomplished something big together uh, because we, we worked as a team and that now was a good time for us to uh, acknowledge all of that and, and celebrate. And that was probably one of a, like a good moment where we, we also came together as a team and, and reflected back on those initial plans, videos into something that came full circle. And yeah, look forward to doing more of those again. That's amazing. I have been thinking a lot about tactile objects and, you know, supplies and things and, you know, bringing that into your workshops or your all hands or any kind of experience just because we're all distributed 
and we can't be in the office together doesn't mean we can't send everybody the t-shirt or the awesome um, care package. That's really great. There's a, there's a company called Sliced in New York, and they, they have like an API to send pizzas. And I've been thinking a cool feature for the future would be like press button, send pizzas uh, through Mural, right? So we'll see how that goes. And it's gets complicated with global teams, though. Yeah, no doubt. Incredible. So one of my favorite questions is around meetings, of course, on my mission to help people um, have better meetings everywhere. And I'm just curious what your go-to is. Like, if, if you could change anything about the way most meetings are run, what would it be? I mentioned something before, right? So I think there's two things. One is like acknowledge which type of meeting it is. And related to that, open up with the end goal of the meeting. For example, when I do first candidate meetings on recruiting, I try to be really curious, uh, but, but really explicit about and the end goal of this meeting is to see if we could be a fit for each other. I took that one from sales training, actually. There's a firm that we hire called Winning by Design that I really like. And, and they teach the sales guys to open up with, appreciate taking the time today, check time, to still have 30 minutes for us to go through this meeting. And the third thing is, the end goal of this meeting is to see if we could be a fit for each other. And the corollary of that also is, if in the middle of this meeting, we believe that we're not a fit for each other, for whichever reason, we accomplish the goal and we can end the meeting earlier. If we also accomplish the goal of, we, can, we could be a fit for each other, great. And maybe you do another check-in later on to accomplish another goal, right? Which is, go deep into your requirements or go deep into your background to understand if we are a fit for each other, right? So I think that opening up with a very clear goal is something that is very important. And the other thing that is also related to the beginning is related to checking in, right? So checking in fully, checking in as individuals, as collaborators and acknowledge that that's our goal and which is the role of each other and how are you going to be participating here? Not as, as spectators, hopefully, or if you are spectators, acknowledge it and claim your role. Um, but also acknowledging that maybe you're not needed for a meeting and, and that's okay. So goal first, roles and responsibilities second, and checking in and checking in with a fun exercise that gets the creative juices going. Now you've got me curious, what is your favorite check-in exercise? This is not my favorite one, but it's a funny one. The other day, I put up the lyrics of Despacito, the, the reggaeton song, and I had each of my leadership team members go for a lyric, like, a, like a, a phrase. And it was hilarious to hear the English speaking guys trying to sing Despacito in English. That's amazing. That reminds me of one that um, essentially everyone first round puts the name of a song, like a hit song, one of those songs that just gets stuck in your head, you know, so everyone contributes one and then we shuffle them up 
and then everyone draws the name and then you have to sing that that song <laughs> so you had to sing the song you randomly drew and uh yeah it's a little awkward so i mean a question that we ask new team members to reply to when we they introduce themselves to everybody else is the first one is like how you plan to make an impact sorry no, no. so first of all why did you choose mural the second one is how you plan to make an impact and then the third one is tell us something weird about you So I think that, and why are you in this meeting? How you plan to make an impact in this meeting? And then something fun are all things that we could bring in into important big meetings. Yeah, that's great. You know, it doesn't have to be the all hands or, you know, someone's new. That's that's one you could, could be pretty evergreen. Those questions, like, um, especially if you shift them from the company to the meeting. That's awesome. So... I'm curious, what what have you recently discovered or, or kind of bumped into that gives you hope and makes you curious? That silence was on purpose. So the use of silence, right? I mean, as evidenced my, by my voice, I have not been silent enough. I've been talking, 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 pitching, pitching, pitching. And silence, two observations. One is, from the sales training was like, leave space. After a question, let them answer and let them continue answering. Let your, the person you're interviewing, just go for it. And the other day uh, we invited um, Maria Judis to, to, to talk And she opened up with a silent moment and also put together like a little sticky note with on camera that said, wait, and says, yeah, why am I talking? And as a moment to, to again, leave space for others to do that, especially if someone that you want them to share, disclose and so on. So yeah, the use of, silence and it's weird in a remote environment because sometimes silence is catalyzed via a faulty mute setup or bad connection or am I talking you're talking and like people not wanting to bump into each other so yeah I mean silence as a tool I love it and that's the second time wait has appeared on the podcast. So it's, it's a popular one in these circles, um, especially with active listening being so critical to facilitation. So I love that you bring that up. I've even been exploring with using Mural as a tool to allow us to play with silence. And so we'll do some work in the plenary session where everyone's together in the main break, in the main Zoom room. And then I'll send folks into the murals to do some work I won't send them to the breakout rooms yet, but they're already working in their breakout room area in the mural. The reason I don't send them to the breakout room yet is because it's much easier to enforce that silence. Because if anyone starts talking, then another group can hear them. <laughs> and so if I send them to their breakout rooms immediately, then they all start talking in their breakout rooms. And so designing around that silence can be a real powerful thing. You mentioned that we have a facilitation team That's one of the things we observe, right? 
besides unbundling and um, asynchronous and synchronous work, even within the quote-unquote synchronicity of a meeting or workshop, there are moments where you want solo work, small team work, plenaries, as you mentioned. And as a matter of fact, you showed me some of that when we were in the Google Sprint conference in San Francisco and you were facilitating your workshop on liberating structures. So I don't need to teach you. And I learned that from you. So we have a feature coming soon called, yeah, private mode, where people will be in private mode. We acknowledge that people also do breakout murals or breakout sessions in a mural. So we're baking that. As you know, there's a new celebration function in the product or the timer or the voting. So that's where we do most of our innovation, to be honest with you, right? On the little things that add up to what we call the facilitation superpowers, where, yeah, it's a toolbox for, for facilitators to be able to run better meetings. But a um, yeah, good practice, as you mentioned, is definitely leave time for solo work first and then share out. So, Mariano, I'd love to hear any kind of final thoughts you might have for the listeners. Any, anything that's top of mind that, uh, that you'd love to share? Insist on celebrations. We're all going through a very challenging time. I mean, the virus spikes are coming all over the world. We're going to have to go back inside. Winter will be coming soon in, in the Northern Hemisphere. Pay attention to the summer, Southern Hemisphere people that are shut down and in winter and cold. And it's not fun there. So make moments of fun, of celebration and acknowledging that we're all accomplishing good things together. Uh, micro-celebrations and bigger celebrations and learn how to celebrate remotely, which is super hard. And so that would be my my ask for all of you. Excellent. Well, Mariano, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. How can folks find you if they want to look up your work, um, find Mural, find out more about you? Where should they go? The website is mural.co. And my Twitter or LinkedIn I use a bat melon, B-A-T-M-E-L-O-N. It's a joke that I can tell the audience at some point, but it relates to Batman and Three Melons, my game studio. We try to show up being talks, being webinars, and inspire everybody with a brain to use it for imagination. Right? We believe that imagination and collaboration it's what makes us human, right? We, the Homo sapiens that started our civilizations, imagine language, imagine civilizations, share them with each other and form more small teams to be able to, to build civilization. And the good thing about computers taking over knowledge work and data crunching and data processing is that we can come back to this type of work that is so rewarding and so fun. So... Follow us if you care about that. And thank you, Douglas, for also spreading the, the gospel of facilitation and, and remote work. Glad to be here in the show. And uh, hello, everybody out there that are facilitators. We want to help you out and reach out if you need anything. Thanks again, Mariano. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate.
Thanks for joining me for another episode of Control the Room. Don't forget to subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are released. And if you want more, head over to our blog where I post weekly articles and resources about working better together. VoltageControl.com